0: Well, good evening. Uh, today is uh, September 14th, Monday the 14th. And guess what? This is our 14th episode of The Check Drop. so welcome. Um, there's nobody watching currently, so I'm just talking to myself. But uh, but we do have a very special guest today. Um, it's one of my all-time favorite comedians of all time. Uh, he's, he's amazing, he's, uh, and he's a good friend. I'd say he's a good friend. And um, sometimes you can mix business with pleasure, and I do that with this fella. Um, I'm going to give you a brief uh, bio. Um, my guest today has had his own special on Showtime, was featured on Last Call with Carson Daly, and his dry bar comedy special, Anti-Animal Vegan, has millions of views online. And uh, please welcome to the check drop, Mr. Comedian, Colin Moulton. Hello,
1: Colin. Be still my heart, the loving <laughs> words of Chuck Johnson. <laughs> How are Friend you, who mixes pleasure with business. <laughs> you left that kind of wide open.
0: Yeah, I, well, I guess so. Well, you know what? That's why uh, you're the you're the comedian, and I'm uh, the guy over here selling selling Mixing the jokes. Mixing
1: pleasure with comedy. <laughs>
0: That's why you tell the jokes, and I sell the jokes, sir. <laughs> well,
1: so, with any luck, I'm selling them too, you know. <laughs> well, when I tell them, get it. So, sometimes you're funny. Sometimes, yeah. So,
0: so uh, um, for anybody uh, listening to this in the future and or watching now, uh, uh, yeah, cause you
1: record them and you put them up on, on the iTunes. I, I put it and on the, all, all and this, and the spotification and, and the, the Spotify
0: and the stitcher and the I, whatever's all and all of that stuff. It, it's,
1: yeah, man. And, yeah, and, it's all, and, 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 and in, in perpetuity, uh, all platforms to, uh, that have, that yet have not remained uh, yet have not remained. They yet have not been created. Yeah. Remain it, uncreated.
0: It's like the, like in the future, like it, Like this will be a comedy like Bitcoin podcast or something. If you're
1: listening to this in 2027 on NeuroPod, you're probably naked in the shower and you don't have any (laughs) hands
0: free and you're just. The NeuroPod in- uh, crypto coin is going to be huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Invest today. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can get it really cheap. So, uh, yeah. Mr. Colin Moulton um, has just gotten off the beach. Like, literally, like.
1: No, ten, I've been preparing for hours.
0: 10 minutes ago, <laughs> he, he called me from the beach and on his way home and, uh, and said, I will be there, I promise. So. I'm going to
1: make it. I sent a picture of me with my surfboard. I should make it, probably. My friends were standing there with me. They're, they're dying laughing. So, I had All I had to do was switch hats. <laughs> oh, show! Your, your comedy hat from your surf hat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how sure.
0: far away uh, is the beach from you?
1: Um, well, 21, minutes, 21 with, minutes with stopping to make a sip of juice and... Um, changing shirt yeah i guess it's 21 so maybe 18 17 okay.
0: minutes so you're in tybee island georgia is uh, yeah. that correct is uh-huh. that the actual like uh, town? tybee island
1: yeah, yeah yeah it's the barrier islands of georgia most people when you say you live in georgia they're like uh they don't they don't even think of water because there's just one little section you know yeah. you know that's on the beach so if you tell them you live on, on an island somewhere they don't believe that it's georgia
0: so the, uh, the comedy hotbed of Tybee Island, Georgia, you decided to pack right. up the family and move them to Tybee Island. How did that, how did that come about?
1: So we were living in L.A. Uh, for maybe 20 years or something. Or uh, my, my wife and I had actually been uh, – um, did you just go away? No,
0: I'm still here. I I,
1: okay. I like to spotlight my uh, my
0: guests oh, when they're okay. talking. Oh, okay. That's right. You told yeah. me
1: you were going to do that. I'm like, <laughs> "What happened? We lost Chuck, everybody." So <laughs> So anyway, uh <laughs> So we um we were living in LA and we'd been there. We I left I left Monterey went to LA um with my wife, went, you know, back to LA and uh, and did my career there mostly. And then um I just got to a point with internet and stuff like that that we don't need we just didn't need to be in LA. I mean, like you can audition. Everybody's wanting me to audition literally virtually where you like send in your audition. And it got to the point where I was very seldom d- did I need to be in town. So I was like, I, we're spending a ton of money to live in this place. And to be honest, I'm nervous living here. It's kind of all the stuff that's going on right now because of all the Gavin Newsom and everybody's yeah. kind of getting dicey with uh, COVID and rioting and all this. And, um, and then Rogan moved to Texas, and everybody's like, that's a good idea. We're all moving to Texas. So everybody's moved to Texas. But uh, five years ago, my wife and I, we thought the same thing. We're like, this is – I think we had, like, one major catastrophe, like a big fire thing going on. And, and uh, I said, look, we're just one, like, catastrophic event from literally having to stand on our roof with, you know, guns and hope somebody saves us. Like, this place yeah. is crazy.
0: That, you know? How far, like you lived right in LA or was it? No, we outside? were
1: in Santa Clarita. So we were in like the night, you know, we were in this little bubble of like, you know, it lo- it's like the Midwest, Okay, but it's still LA. So when you right. have- So you can get somewhere in a
0: hurry if you needed to do an audition Well, I was going to say,
1: yeah, yeah, you can, but, um, and the par- airport's 35 minutes at four in the morning, you know, so it was all really good that way, but it was also, and you've been there, you know. Yeah. Uh, so
0: expensive.
1: Um, it's so expensive, but then also y- you have all these- like uh la kind of things going on where it's like uh you know uh big traffic jams all of a sudden right you know on your highway there or um there's just like la to it that i didn't like you know that that you couldn't it wasn't totally it was trying to pretend to be something else but it still was la
0: yeah now um when you were out in la did you do a lot of auditions
1: um, I did a lot of commercial auditions, and, and actually I had the coolest experience with, uh, with comedy in the beginning because I had uh, – I just kind of – people, um, they liked – I had a lot of energy. So I had been a mobile disc jockey first before I would, did comedy, and, uh, and I used to sell uh, mobile disc jockey events, you know, like weddings and events and stuff like that. And I ran an office, had 10 DJs. So I had no problem with a microphone. And, uh, and so I would – my only real learning curve was material <laughs> and, uh, and, and how to be funny just, timing. Just you know. that, huh? Yeah, material timing. Um, yeah, you know, funny in general, how to be funny in general. Um, uh, also, uh, what to do. Like where do you go to get gigs? How do you do all that? Like so everything except the microphone. <laughs> so I uh, – I just kind of hit the ground running and um, did pretty well in the beginning. And so I got a lot of attention from like, you know, LA agents that are like, oh, because if you show any confidence on stage at all, they're like, have you been doing comedy for 15 years? Come this way. We have a sitcom for you. And so I didn't want to lie. I mean, I didn't want to like sign here,
0: sir. Yeah. At
1: that time, it was like just after they were handing out development deals. And so all we knew was that you get a development deal if you just try to kill so i was just trying to kill and then i was trying and then i was i saw these interesting comedians i'm like i want to be an interesting comedian too and uh yeah it, it, it wasn't that's not it wasn't as marketable at the time so i was like uh trying to figure out how to converge Which those lane people. to stay into yeah yeah so I, I think everybody does in the beginning you try to find your lane you know that's a good word lane
0: yeah well i mean I, that's why i love about you like even today i submitted you for uh, an event uh, with like four or five other comedians that that are similar because they said, Hey, we want somebody fun, high energy and interactive. And I was like, well, yeah, well definitely Colin's definitely one of those ones. And, and you've always kind of seen since I've known, you've always kind of fit that lane, I guess. And, um, and that's what, I mean, that's very marketable though. I mean, It's more
1: marketable yeah, for at the entertainment level. So, right.
0: And if you can stay clean as well, which you have adapted to over the years. So, yep. Uh, took me,
1: a, took me 10 years, but I got yeah. it. But well, then, yeah, but yeah, I, then I got like, um, you know, I got I started getting these auditions. That's when I to answer your question did I do auditions. So I got an agent. I got I just lucked, well, I think I got that like, through a couple connections. I ended up with this agent that was like a little specifically
0: for commercials.
1: No, no, actually this was a theatrical agent. Okay. So I ended with a commercial agent, but I started that with uh uh a really good theatrical agent. She had Barry Pepper and she had me. Barry Pepper was the guy the in Saving Private Ryan, with the glasses, the really good sniper, and um and he's been in a lot of stuff if you look him up. But um, she had like that, and she they had just that agency had just sold Shrek's War or no Shrek's War no Hearts War and Shrek, so no. both of those. Yeah, I just <laughs> like, combined them. So they sold Shrek's War, which was a uh, it was, it was it's a still duo. Been, It's still coming yeah. out later. Yeah, it was a two part <laughs> series. <laughs> <laughs> so um anyway they had just sold hearts war and shrek and at those time those are the two biggest things to go and uh so everybody was looking at them and and Kathleen Lettery I'll use her name because she really was amazing I I got a general meeting with the WB remember the WB
0: yeah
1: I and uh then they got bought out
0: by CW or something uh
1: yeah I don't know but uh they they liked me because I had that same kind of thing that a lot of their ingenues had or whatever their main people had these like what's i don't know what the word is their stars or whatever they had um at the, the it, time infector scott foley uh yeah yeah which at the time i looked similar to him because i was a little bit leaner and skinnier and he was a little bit leaner and skinnier so at the same time we at that time we had very similar features and um and so I, I had already been doing extra work and had been on one of his shows. Uh, t- was it uh, Felicity? And, uh, and, and I had been extra at, uh, a couple of times I've been an extra on that show. And the other actors, when we were in there and stuff would be like, Hey, this guy looks like your brother, Scott. You, should, you know, they tease us at like the craft table or whatever. Yeah. Did they hire so you I was no, aware as
0: a, a stand in? They should have hired you. Yeah. 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 yeah
1: and I wasn't even, I think he was a couple few inches taller than me. So you couldn't even be a stand in, oh, okay. but, um, But anyway, it was uh, it was just I was aware of him, and I was aware of the look they liked, and so when I went in for generals for her, that all seemed to make sense. Like I got called in for generals from one of their agents, and uh, I can't remember her name right this second, but she was really cool too. And uh, and Kathleen Lettery had me read. Now I had been and I had had done some acting in high school, but not a ton. And um, but I really liked it. And then I had done um, at that time. I think I had done maybe one kind of like, "Hey, welcome to LA. Do you have three hundred dollars you want to waste? Here's a class." So I did one of those, <laughs> and uh, and but it gives you something. Did you get anything out of it? Yeah, yeah, it all gives you something. Yeah. I mean, you're if you're looking. Was that specifically an acting class or a comedy class or a hybrid? So it was an acting class. It was it was not a cold reading class. I got that later from Leslie Khan. Okay. But it was a uh, it was a uh, just a standard acting class, and then I had gotten into like a troupe like a, uh, uh, you know, a, a sketch troupe, improv troupe. And the interesting thing is like w- what you just asked, did you get anything out of it? I think you can always get something out of it if you're looking, if you're right. looking for something, if you're listening and you're looking. But I think everybody takes instruction a different way. A lot of people take instruction or take classes thinking, all right, I'm going to go to class and then I'm, they're going to teach me things and then I'm going to come away with some knowledge. <laughs> but they don't go going, all right, I'm walking into a, a library and every book's open you know now i have to figure out where the stuff is that's right. kind of how I, I approached that one because i was so thirsty for what to do because i didn't know what to do and uh you know so i because i saw actors do that where like young actors where they would go to the class and they're like you know they just kind of stay the same and they wouldn't really like they, they didn't they didn't have any critical thinking about what was going on you know what i mean i think yeah, they just yeah, thought yeah. there was an extension of high school to them they're like oh okay now i'm gonna sit here and listen to the teacher and then you know and, and then I'm how- gonna be me and they're gonna think, God, he's beautiful. And then I'm gonna get a show. <laughs> that's what I think a lot of people think in in LA. And you're still waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what our I think our show is yeah.
0: even a thing anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so what uh, what I, I was just really thirsty. So I was like getting p- bits and pieces that really actually transformed what I was doing and worked. So I got uh, anyway, I got this. I had this I had a couple of abilities, and one of them was and so, you know what? Maybe this is even better that I just had like a couple of main things holding on. to. Like if you're in stormy search, right? <laughs> and you're holding on. to. Like, you've lost your board and there's like a, a little log. And you're just holding on to this little log. And, uh, you know, that's all you have. So you're going to use the hell out of that log. So all I had was listen. That's all I had. And, uh, and when you act, listen. It's and then let sponge the sponge scene,
0: let, let it let the scene
1: unfold. And you listen and then things will happen the way they're supposed to. You'll become more interesting. So that's all I knew. That's all I knew. And so I, and you know, I don't look at the camera. (laughs) So, (laughs) so we did a cold read and uh, I just, I think part of this too, and you know this from dealing with comedians um, when we have just been on a really long run and a super long drive and we haven't slept for three days and we probably been partying on our previous run. So we haven't really slept in four days. And, uh, And we get to what we're doing. And sometimes that's the best set you ever have. You know what I mean? There's this like singularity of thought or whatever or presence that you don't have when there's a bunch of other stuff kind of going on. You're just kind of so focused because you just don't have any other energy to give that suddenly you have this clarity. So that's what happened to me. I showed up. I had been driven from northern Montana for this general meeting with the WB, the first thing I ever got that was worth anything, and uh, and I had driven twenty-something hours to Were be there
0: from a straight from a gig in Montana, from
1: Northern Montana down through Utah to Los Angeles, straight through, man, in the snow in the <laughs> no first sleep. half of it. The first half it was snow and I got, and I, I literally got there. My car was covered in just whatever you get on your car over that period of time in those places. A lot of it yeah. was cow manure, you know, who knows? Snow you, cow you manure. You show up
0: with snow still on it in LA. Like how the hell does that happen?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like, I was just like, <laughs> it looked crazy. It was way out of place Yeah. and it was a little weird red car and it just looked terrible. And I, uh, and I show up and I pull on the WB lot and, uh, <laughs> it was all I could do to get on. And I'm like, no, really, I do have a general meeting <laughs> and I, <laughs> and I, I, uh, I, w- I walk into the office and I must have looked, I must have looked, when I get tired, my, uh, genetically, my dad had it too. His his eye, his eye right eye gets like beat blood red, like to where it's alarming. And uh, to where some people are like, are you okay? Can we get you anything? And so that's how I looked. And I was wall eyed. Cause I was so tired. My eyes were doing this. One was like, it gets a little lazy and wall eyes. So I was like, you know, I just walked in and I'm like, Hey, I'm Colin. And I just tried to like muster all this energy, but I had that singular, that clarity of energy. So I just, I just go, Hey, and I was real calm. And I sat down. And I didn't do this That's bad. I I, uh, sat down. (laughs) And, uh, and um, I started talking to her and I was kind of giggly and goofy, because I was just, you know, I'm zero sleep. And, uh, and I just felt like I was supposed to be there. And she uh, treated me as such. She said, I'm gonna give you some, some lines, I want you to read them. And um, now had I been rested, I would probably have thought, to myself the entire time i would not have been listening to her i would not have been thinking about what i was supposed to be doing i would have been thinking this is a huge opportunity this is a huge opportunity this did they is give you
0: the sides or anything ahead of time did you know anything about what you're going no. into it no, was, it was cold, just going in blind cold read yeah
1: so yeah so the point is my mind would have been completely polluted with this is a huge opportunity this is a huge opportunity but it wasn't because I was just whatever and uh so I just got the sides. She goes, "You have uh, in like we'll read in ten minutes." I have I have I have to make a phone call. Um, once you come back in ten minutes, we'll do a cold read. And I'm like, "Okay, cool." And I was like, "All right," I've done this class. I grab, my, I go, I go outside. I'm standing on the thing. Uh, one of the agents comes out after a few minutes. She goes, "Hey, you want to run them through with me?" And I was like, uh, "No, that's cool." And uh, she's like, "Okay, right, cool. I'll see you inside." And so I just kind of went through them. And then I and I remembered one thing that my teacher another log to hold on to uh, that my teacher told me was. Uh, you're not in a cold read. You're not going to remember the words. You're not going to remember the lines. Use that time to think. Use the time where you check the line. Don't just check the line and read it. Use that time to think about what you're saying because it looks normal. That's what people do. You don't. Yeah. yeah, You and I are having a conversation. You say something and I listen to you. And then I think about if, if I'm not an asshole, if I'm not somebody who just like waits to say (laughs) what I'm going to say. And so you finish talking now. Okay. Now I talk, you know, I'm, if I'm a, a good person to listen to and I'm interesting in a conversation, then I'm going to listen and I'm going to think and then I'm going to speak. So I, I, uh, I just sort of put that in my thing. And that's the two things I had was, um, you know, was listen. And then that blended with, you know, take your time, read the word, think. And that's what I did. And yeah, uh,
0: what age were you at this at this point in time?
1: Oh, I was uh, 29 and how maybe, far, how far maybe are you 30. And how maybe far into your
0: stand-up career?
1: Oh uh, okay. So no, I was 30. I, I think I was actually when this happened, I would have been like 32, 31.
0: Okay.
1: Maybe 31, 32. So I'd have been like <sighs> buddy, two and a half years into stand up. <laughs> maybe. So so so, so here. Okay. So I get she gives me lines, and I don't remember what the scene was, but it was me and uh Tess Sanchez was the agent. Awesome person. And uh, which I kind of did this stupid thing people do later, I'll tell you. Um, but uh, that m- I still regret to this day because she was such a cool person. Um, and she probably would never take my call again because she thinks I'm a moron. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, but first of all, we'll get to. The- so she and I read and uh, she was the one who brought me in. She's kind of like this, is, you know, a proud parent. Like, look what I got you, Kathleen. Yep. And uh, Kathleen Lettery, by the way, was the head of the WB and incredibly respected in the community of in the industry. Everybody you mentioned Kathleen Lederi to, I think she had worked at a high, as a high up in NBC or something. And she okay. was just like a star maker and a really, really smart uh, industry leader uh, for agents and production people and, uh, you know, casting. And so I, I had no idea who I was messing with. I just knew she was the head of the WB or whatever, yeah. head of casting WB. Um, I think maybe even vice president. At that were time. you nervous? No. No. Because I did not know. It was the because, ignorance yeah, yeah. of bliss.
0: Yeah. So, uh, probably a good thing then.
1: Yeah. And it was also, she was a woman. And, and in my world, like I had a mom, I had a sister. I'd been, you know, I, I know women that were older than me. I kind of know their rhythm, how to communicate with them. Yeah. And, um, and I also feel more akin to them for some reason, older women. I'm an, I feel like uh, an affinity for older women. Like I I maybe am an older woman. I identify as an older woman. It's not a bad thing, Colin. <laughs> it's not. I feel like it. I've always identified as a mature older woman. You're, so, you're really uh, going into the uh, the background of it. Like, it's okay. <laughs> hey, it's fine. He's so brave. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, we start reading. And uh, I just remember this long moment where I knew what to say next. But I really thought about what. Tess had said and then I thought about Tess and then I thought about her bringing me there and uh and then how grateful I was and then I delivered the next line right as I was feeling that and it was like catching a wave if you want to use the the surfing analogy it was like everything just I released it it just went and I was like and I did it and then Kathleen was like wow awesome awesome thank you so much great job Colin that was really good and I'm like thanks and I'm like, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything. <laughs> wait for no, it. Wait for a total it. Total accident. It was a total yeah. accident.
0: Yeah.
1: It was like I can recreate that. So, um, so then I just uh, I walked out of that office and uh, basically had kind of a uh, you know, I got several phone calls from them you know whatever that contingent and even Kathleen once where they followed up they got me an agent they got me the best agent I could get which was Conor Agency nice. um, yeah Amanda Glazer amazing agent. And, uh, and then she started sending me out on, on auditions. And, and I said, uh, initially I went on these, I'm going for the, the lead in this and the lead in that and the lead in this. Do you remember the show? AD USA, AD USA, uh, wait. Yeah. AD USA. Do you remember? <laughs> ADA <laughs> USA or something? Like that? Do you I don't remember. Know. No, it was, it was on NBC, but it was like the big show at that time was AD USA. It was like, uh, was to, it was supposed to, be another one. law show. It was going to be the next big law show. It was okay. like, uh, it was Scott Foley. And, um, so that I went up for that one, they gave it to Scott. Um, here I am. You know these guys have been acting their whole life. Some of them are are you know long long time. They're in the business their whole yeah. life since they're kids. And I'm like, I'm this guy, and I was totally overwhelmed and intimidated. You just drove,
0: you just drove in from Montana.
1: <laughs> I just drove in from Montana on a one nighter, on a triple run, and uh, yeah, covered in soot and uh, soot so, so and dried beer, and uh, and yeah, I just uh, I was just I let it get to me, man. I, I didn't. I didn't uh, stay in that pocket of just being me and saying I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Let's just try, you know. Yeah. I didn't do that. I got intimidated, and I I started going to all these auditions, knowing I was supposed to get the lead, and thinking I'm never going to get the lead. Like I'm, I'm going into this knowing I'm not going to get the lead, and I would screw up auditions and screw up auditions. But this one casting director really liked me and would always have me back for stuff. So I was always going up, uh, and I'm talking five days a week, I was auditioning three, four, five times. It was like that for me. And right. a lot of people don't get that. And th- And I had acting friends that had been in the business a long time that were furious with me because they knew I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I'm brand new. And, you know, and they're like, God, son of a bitch, he just wand- wanders in here. And he doesn't even appreciate it, which I did not. I didn't know what I had. And, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, so I, it, what broke it was I went into this audition. This is the second time it happened to me in one week. As, as I'm walking into the room, you know, there's a room and uh, Jason Bateman's walking out and, and I'm walking in and they're laughing and all right, see you, Jace, you know, and and he's (laughs) like, Hey, how's it going? He says, he walks by me. And then I go in and they're like, Oh, Hey. And then I can feel them just go, ah, shit, it's another fresh off the truck. Yeah, everybody get your lunch. <laughs> Stop paying attention right now. Uh, I felt that energy shift, and I didn't overcome it, you
0: know? And I felt Like you just thought he already had the gig just because of his name and, and
1: recognized. They had just experienced an audition from hollywood royalty jason bateman it's not his name it's that he knows what he's doing because his parents were super high level instructors and actors and his sister was a great actor and he was a great actor as a kid i mean they probably just saw him knock it out of the park even if they didn't they saw how you do it they saw his take on it and they saw how you're supposed to do it and i'm gonna go in now and i'm gonna show them that i'm way green and uh, and that I don't know exactly what's going on, and uh, you know I'm I'm basically here because Kathleen Lettery thought I did a good cold read, so that was uh so that was intimidating. And the second time that happened in one week, I called my agent and I said, I want to go on smaller auditions. And she said, we're not aware of those roles. <laughs> <laughs> we only deal up here. She goes, Colin, do you understand? Else. You have a four year window that I'm working with. You need to get this together. And you need to do this, um, and you need to do it at this level. And and if you don't, then you won't. And that's yeah. it. That's what I'm telling you. And, so uh,
0: you and I'm cease, not going to put
1: you in on lower roles. Did you and cease like,
0: going to auditions? Then you just did you?
1: I, I did I I did that self sabotage thing that you do at uh, as a proud person, like too proud. And I I still have things I'm struggling with in my life, in my professional life, in my personal life that I failures that I. It's just rip, rip, you know how you repeat certain failures in, in your life, mistakes. Yes. Well, that's one be. of them, self-sabotage. If I feel like there's too much and I can't shine right away, then, then I, I tend to self-sabotage and look for somewhere I can. So what I did was, um, and this wasn't a conscious thing. I could feel myself doing it, but I couldn't stop it kind of like that. Uh, and also I wasn't as aware of it then. I think now I could probably, if I had the right people in my life, to say, hey, you know, idiot. <laughs> i tell big. you yeah 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 <laughs> so at that time i just uh i just i called from remember laughlin remember that gig in laughlin uh, uh yes yeah 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 Yeah. Oh, oh no 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 oh no well
0: there is uh, no no the
1: pat, the pat wilson one that was uh in uh, mesquite so mesquite i remember the bottom. little hotel yeah. that they put us up in and it had like a what was a motel hotel it was like at the bottom floor of this place and, and, and with I the think other she comic still
0: books that room
1: um, what? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, uh, I think Barry a... Neal stole it.
0: Uh, I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Barry I know, Neal stole uh, it. I think there is still a comedy club there. For sure. Anything. Barry
1: Neal stole yeah. it from her. I had yeah. to, I, I ended up writing a letter to him once over that. Say he his
0: name one fight. more time. <laughs>
1: Barry Neal <laughs> was operating in an unethical way at that moment. And I will, I will not, <laughs> I will not. <laughs> I, I've gotten in arguments with him about this and he's like, I know ethics. I did this, that, and the other thing. And, The truth is that move was unethical. I don't care what you know about ethics. What he did was unethical with that, with that particular situation, period. That's all. Yeah, I've had that happen to me a few times. Um, You know the deal. Yeah. yeah, Pat hasn't happened. But really, it's survival of the fittest at the end of the day. And I I, get it.
0: As an agent, I always, you know, I'm I'm a rarity. I always try to get the comedians as much money as possible. And, (laughs) you know, most agents don't care about that. They're looking out for themselves. And I had two casinos up in the Upper Peninsula, uh, Michigan which i know that you know of those because uh, there's a story but okay. we won't go we won't go into that story okay. but <laughs> you know the story i'm talking about
1: right yeah, okay yeah
0: <laughs> got it um, but um but same thing uh somebody came in and uh undercut me and said i can get the same comedians f- for less it's you know? common
1: in the business because the le- they have leverage you know and yeah. that makes sense and then, they com- and then but then then you know the the uh the quality goes down by a intangible amount to the yeah. uh
0: Well, they don't care. I mean, Because the
1: the client, it's relatively intangible because it would have to first then go to the people who run the room. Then it would go to the uppers, the higher ups. Then it would go to the, you know, Hey, things have changed. You know that all that whole system would have to happen and then come to you and say, um, listen, the the guy we have now doesn't have as good of comedians. It's just that process is going to take years. So once they undercut you, that's a wrap.
0: There's a question in the comments here. It's a buddy of mine. Uh, uh, he goes by ball all day. Uh, what uh, what does he say is his biggest miss? I assume um, he's asking about uh, maybe a audition in L.A. that uh, you, you went out for and did not get it. I'm assuming uh, that's what he's asking. But oh, that's the question I'm asking. Oh, like, an, like a
1: show, like something yeah, that you been like, on or something like that? Yeah,
0: like you mentioned the the other one. Uh, AD USA. Uh,
1: yeah, so. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think it, uh oh, you know what? This was a good one, and I should have got this, and it actually ended up being a show. Um, it, do you know Jimmy Schubert?
0: Yeah, yeah, very funny. I'd love to have him on this show. I should. Get Jimmy's
1: him. so funny, yeah. and he's such a cool guy. And he's, uh, we became friends just because he's friends with who you know. He's friends with people. He's just a nice person. Yeah, and uh, and he knew me from around, and um, we we did all kinds of weird stuff, like it, in Montreal. We did a gig one time together and hung out all night. It was it was just weird, you know. And then he took me to his brother's house one time, and you know, randomly, uh, in uh, Jersey, and his. Oh, okay. I'll tell you that whole story. That's an interesting <laughs> story. So, but let's go back. So, okay. I go into this audition, and uh, and I'm sit, and I, I sit down. I'm early, you know, because I'm like I'm gonna get, figure this thing out, and I get a role, and uh, and the role was uh, Monkey Man, uh, and it was like I was unfrozen, and uh, I can't remember the the name uh of the show, but it it was like I- Iceman, but it was anyway, uh, it was on it was on like Nickelodeon or something, but it was I was supposed to be this monkey guy that they. Like a Neanderthal guy that they've unfroze uh, that was frozen from you know whatever time Plastatine, you know, I don't know I don't know this stuff so uh, and like then, a kids um, show like a kids that?
0: show you said Nickelodeon yeah so yeah yeah it was like a
1: young person's show right okay. it's a show but it was supposed to be this crazy monkey man and um that that was like you know, and like in society now because he's been fro- unfrozen. That was just okay. like a spinoff of the movie with uh, Brandon Fraser or whatever. Yeah. yeah and not uh, yeah. Brandon Fraser.
0: Encino man. Is that yeah. Yeah. Kind
1: of. Yeah. Maybe it was in that vein, me. maybe. So, right. uh, but it was more interesting and actually pretty funny. The script was really funny. And, uh, and, and I remember I got the sides and I thought, oh, this would be good. And it ended up being a show for a while. So I sit down and then um, Jimmy Schubert comes in and sits down and, oh, I go, hey, Jimmy. And we're like talking and having, and they call it Jimmy and, and i'm like oh and i got all these choices in my head that i'm gonna make and then he goes in first i'm like oh no and i got and and he's like down the hall like two rooms and this sh- shuts the door and i'm not even joking with you man i could totally hear him the whole time just rah, rah. he's so loud overselling and like, the acting oh, and- the walls were rattling the doors vibrating <laughs> you know that's his audition and i'm like what were my choices i'm like oh no like this isn't what is he doing in there you just I mean, get up and walk out dude it was like the door burst open and people fell out laughing it, that's how it felt to watch you know and he's like ah and they're like jimmy we love you you know high five rah. and uh he's like hey see you then right? he walks in the lobby hey colin kill him brother have a good time you know and he takes off and they're like Colin oh, Moulton. I literally was next. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did he get the gig at least, or no? No, no.
1: But I here's what I did. I went in and uh, and I sat down. I think he did tell me later that he went into producers on that, but he didn't get it. But uh, but I. I sat down in the office, and they're like, okay, you got to – I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, I'm trying to forget what I just saw. And, uh, and I started doing the thing, but my big go-to was at the end, I was going to be like – when I did the whole monkey thing, I was going like to pick a booger and wipe it on the desk <laughs> to really shock them. <laughs> and it came off all wrong. It came off like I did it. Like the audition was over, and then I went like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, are, is he in character still? Or oh, do or we just hand him a tissue?
1: It wasn't clear enough. I did it all wrong. And That's everybody awesome. just stared at me. There was three people and they just stared at me. There was no laughter because they were confused. I mean, understandably. And uh, and they It's just like stared. anybody just
0: signing on right now and watching this live going, what the hell is he doing? And they just stared at me.
1: And, and then uh, I go, all right. Thanks. And I got up and they're like, there was no like there wasn't yeah. even niceties it was just I just walked out and uh after just wiping a booger on the desk <laughs> 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 that was a big mess that's awesome
0: oh my god well I was trying to remember like the first time like I remember you is was, was through Mark Ryan so Mark Ryan yeah. said he brought me out uh, Mark Ryan was a comedian that I was managing back in the uh, back, in the, day, back and, in the day and and um, he said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna try something different. I'm doing this uh, duo, uh, hi- show. yeah, a comedy hybrid show with uh, my buddy Colin Moulton. I gotta and, plug in my computer. Okay, you can do that, and I'll just talk to the blue screen. So, and um, so Mark um had this show idea, and I can't remember what is it. What was it called? It was called Funny Foe Money. Oh, it was
1: something. Yeah, else. It was.
0: <laughs> well, I believe that, but it was that there was something else. The two of you that you had a
1: a different show name, a sh- uh, yeah. I thought it was "Funny Faux Money." I, don't, um, that, no. I thought that's what we called it. Oh, that, oh, uh, "Friends with Benefits" was the album.
0: Well, I re- uh, but I funny remember, po- I remember a poster, and it had something else. Yeah, it said "Funny Faux Money." um i don't remember that. maybe there were
1: two yeah i don't know but we but yeah we had a catchy little name i forget but the Colin it was a mark show yeah uh, yeah well at one point that's what it was well maybe that, uh,
0: i mean i just thought I, I don't remember whatever you just said <laughs> so. funny
1: fo money fo. yeah that was one of them but yeah. uh but yeah we, we, i think we did have two names so i can't remember what the other one was but it was me first and then he would go up and do i would do 20 he would do Twenty is that how it worked? And we do twenty together, or something like that. I think he did thirty, and then we do like fifteen. But we would do uh, songs. We wrote all these songs together. Yeah, yeah.
0: I remember like uh, "No Glove, No Love" or something. <laughs> or
1: something. Uh <laughs> or something. Yeah, like that. what was it? <laughs> shot girl shot yeah, girls got clean she ain't allowed to dance
0: they they weren't clean they weren't uh, the, the corporate market so, so where did he no. find where where did he find you like just on the road i mean no where- oh
1: yeah okay so how did i meet mark so mark brought me on the road mark, mark was the one who gave me my first shot on the road where i didn't i learned how to be on the road yeah um and uh i had asked him uh about it cuz he'd seen me in la i was started comedy in la and uh so i was trying to be like I wanted to be a road guy. I was. I just wanted to go on the road and learn. I figured that's how you do that for real. And, um, you know, it turns out I kind of was right. If you're paying attention, you don't get bad habits. I'm not saying I haven't gotten bad habits or that I'm not still struggling to be the comic I want to be. But um, I think you can transcend that part, you know, the the road part. You got to be able to entertain all people, I think, and still still do what you do. You know, that that's a real uh, – and the road helps you learn that. Yeah, because, because you're exposed always felt to
0: like you've been a like you're a showman I always feel like every you're just, cross you're just,
1: section of America yeah, yeah. yeah and so I'm doing stand-up and I could do my stand-up I can do the 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 thing you learn on the road I think is how to do your brand of what you think is funny for people who don't necessarily think that's funny you know and find a way to get them on your ride and laugh with you and see through your eyes why it's funny because if you don't do it that way then you're not doing good stand up i I feel like you're just parroting or pandering or just saying w- what you think the audience wants to hear. What truly is the best stand-up is what I think is funny. If I'm a comedian, uh, you know, the reason we love the comedians we love and why they're greats is because they were truly just purely expressing what they thought was funny. And it wasn't an easy road for most of them. And uh, really for some of them, even worse, uh, I would say Stanhope's a good example. Mitch Hedberg's another good example. The reason it's a hard road for those types of comedians is because their brand of what they think is funny, if they stay true to it, that's a a lot less common. A lot less people think it's funny. They have to find a way to make it palatable or or presentable to enough of their – or find their crowd. Well, it's not universal.
0: You can't go into every nook and cranny of this uh, United States and and every shitty uh, one-nighter and and entertain people the same way because it just won't work. I mean, perfect yeah. example. You mentioned Mitch Hedberg. If you yeah. go back and look at the story, um, his first special for Comedy Central, I believe he like he did not get laughs. Like it was a struggle. If you go back and I I, I don't know all the details, but I'm pretty sure that they had to like tape it a few times and and really, kind oh, of really? Mess, mess with the audio to make it actually. Like he's missing palatable, we probably to, did have
1: to sweeten it, to, yeah, to
0: the um to make a final project because they were like, Wait, this isn't what we thought it would be, as far as the crowd, um, I guess enjoying it and being into it, so yeah, because it's yeah. a
1: certain brand of you know, but it's what he thought was funny, and that's the key thing that we're talking about, like, um, you know, with uh, the head, I mean, the um, the Stanhope example, Doug, uh, he has such an edgy, like unapologetic style, but he also is burdened with this kind of secret. He does want to be liked. You know, he he's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, it's right on my sleeve. You know, I want you to like me. There's no joke. There's no like guessing (laughs) that guy wants me to like him. So I, that's something I've always struggled with, you know, to kind of pull back that, pull back on that a little and, you know, and not let that be how I am. But with him, that's like something that's always kind of, he's, you know, there it's always there with him this little demon that's yeah. going to fucking hate you I, and uh, i don't you know, know so, him
0: personally but uh i met yeah, him because you, i met he, him like three times but like you know he's
1: at his honest he's walking people you yeah. know but it's but that's his brand man that's what he thinks is funny and when he's purely who he is he speaks to his crowd and he's the best he can be but there's gonna be 20 of a regular road room that goes what Oh, you fuck off, you know, and they don't, they don't want it. And, uh, and it hurts. It hurts him. It really does hurt him. Even though he wants to say, Hey, you know, he, he can now as a mature adult say, you know, fuck you. He's been doing comedy since he was 17. So, I mean, and even as a, even though as a mature adult, still, he, still his as expressed to friends and stuff that's hard you know that's not easy
0: right i mean that's that's your job you want to be good at your job right i mean you want
1: people to like you like you too you don't want to yeah you got you're like it's just like this weird double burden thing where it's like the one thing you want to do most in the world takes away some of the things that you like in the world. And that's just the way that's going to be, you know? Yeah. And uh, the guys that can stay true to that, that's a real challenge. And they're the best.
0: I always loved uh, Doug. Though, he, like I said, I've only met him like three times, but like I've used him many times in the past. And I always loved that as his star was rising, he would still do like one-nighters yep. and one-nighters like, he didn't care. He's like, you want to go to Killian, Texas yes, for $300? Yep. Uh, yes, sir. And, and then I, all right, cool. And then I had to, Give a little disclaimer to the
1: club. He's like, "Hey, it's gonna be a little dirty," and little he's dirty. not gonna care if you tell him to do anything. Well, yeah, <laughs> You're yeah. Like, yeah, hey, buckle up. <laughs> yeah, he's not gonna be like, "Oh, okay, sure, I'll I'll take it easy on the f words or yeah, not." Yeah, he, he's got yeah, no F. He's gonna to give. Yeah, so yeah. you can't change him. Yeah. Which, but anyway, the point I make is that like that's been always been the biggest struggle uh, for me as a comedian is trying to find that. I don't know where I started. I don't know how I got on that tangent, but that doesn't matter doesn't matter that, yeah what's <laughs> he I, asking what, uh, was,
0: what was your worst job and and why become uh and why before becoming a comedian um worst uh, i
1: guess it would be uh you,
0: like, I was do the, hula hoop you were selling hula hoops at one time yeah yeah that crazy. was a great
1: job that was i can't that doesn't fall in the worst uh the, the uh so the worst it. job would, would be one where i was like uh you know like a soul sucker like um it would be like you know i was a service advisor at a dealership a car dealership that was hard i was a mechanic right out of high school so i uh, worked for chevy and um you know what they sent me to training school and you know uh, and i learned how to do stuff on cars and then um that was another ballsy thing that i even got the job i i walked in because have i told you this story how i became a comedian i mean a, a mechanic
0: no I so, didn't know you were a mechanic until just when you just told me that.
1: Just, now. <laughs> <laughs> I try to keep that secret because people are like, "Hey, oh, hey, you are come hey, here. Can, you, to can you, you change my oil?" <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what happened to me was I I bought a '68 um, uh, International Harvester. I had been framing houses from the time I was like 16 and a half or something, and um and I lived in a van. I was <laughs> there's all this other stuff that happened before, um so, so I ended up uh. I bought this truck and then I, I quit my construction job because I got scared of an earthquake that happened in San Francisco in 89. So I was, uh, I was 18 at the time, I guess. So I guess I was 18 that I became a mechanic and, uh, and, and I, I bought this 68 international harvester, a crew cab, had the really cool fenders and uh, the round headlights and it had like a big 345 engine. And, uh, and it had a a dually rear end, you know, but it wasn't like flared out. It was like, just had this massive bed and, uh, and it was really cool. It had it had a a utility bed with the toolboxes, but it was from 1968. This thing was amazing, Uh, and I had a dog, and I had moved out from my girlfriend at the time, and and so uh, she and I, or so so I was living on this hill in Los Osos, California. Um, I was parking at my friend's property at night and sleeping in my truck with my dog, and uh, and I was not sure what I wanted to do. And then how
0: old were you this time?
1: Uh, eighteen. or yeah maybe 18 plus yeah did you finish high school uh yeah i mean i took a test when i was like 17 test yeah yeah. (laughs) i was uh i lived in Bay, california a lot of people surfed and then um and then uh some people went to school and then some people did both and so i kind of did both and um and so do you have a formal
0: paper that says you've graduated somewhere? yes yes the ones
1: that just surfed uh, ended up on fishing boats, and those are the guys. That if you go back to Morro Bay today, you'll find a lot of them at Happy Jacks or whatever corner bar, and they're missing their front teeth because they all fight after their shift as a fry cook, and it's a bleak, bleak future. So I was like, "All right, I got to get a, I got to get out of here," and yeah. I don't want to be a fisherman. So I started working on the galley at the galley, uh, uh, or no, the Hofbrau Restaurant and the Hungry Tiger, washing dishes, and then I worked at a bakery. So I would do that. When I was seventeen, I started uh, I. I was doing that in high school. So that's why I took the test really is I was living in a van. My mom had moved to Oceano. I didn't go with. So I was living in my Volkswagen van and uh, and I was I would work after school at uh, one restaurant to wash dishes and then I would go party with my friends and then at about 3 a.m. I would go and clean this bakery and then I would sleep for like an hour, get up and go to school again. And in, in my van, you know, that I slept outside the bakery and, and, uh, and that kind of fell apart after a while when the, the baker came and found me, you know, half the work's done and I'm asleep on one of the tables. <laughs> and he's like, all right, you, you're out of here. So, uh, I lost that job. And then I, I, uh, I was just, you know, working so that I, I got a job as a construction guy. That's where I started really like working. And then I bought that truck and I'm like, man, this is cool. And, uh, here's why this matters. So I'm driving in my truck and I hear, uh, uh, like a big grind when I hit the brakes. So something's wrong with the brakes. Somebody says it's got drum brakes. You need brake, uh, shoes. And I was like, cool, I'm going to go bike. So I went and bought them and, uh, I didn't even think about going to a mechanic. I just, yeah. I just bought the shoes. And then, um, and then I, I went to where my, where I used to live and I <clears throat> parked, uh, in front there and I just I got a, borrowed a jack, and then I was like took the wheel off, and I looked around. And I pu- pulled the I couldn't pull the drum off because it was a um, it had an axle. Wait, like, yeah, it was a it was a um, you know it was a big one ton rear end. So you got to like remove some things. So then I borrowed some more tools, and as I went, I was just borrowing the tools that matched what I needed to do. And and then I finally got the thing apart, and I'm and I pulled the axle out. Because there's like this pin, you got to pull the pin, the axle, you got to, and there's a succession that all these things go back in. I was not paying attention to how they came apart. So there's like rings and lock rings and different things that really, really matter, Chuck. So I pull this axle out and I got everything apart and it's sitting there in the dirt and I'm like, I can do this. And I got the shoes and then those look like the shoes. So I put them on and then I put everything back roughly how it was you know close enough and uh everything's in there and uh,
0: <laughs> you don't have like three extra parts or anything laid nope, around everything's like, like an ikea desk or something it's all
1: in there <laughs> just not in the right order so yeah. i put so i got the wheel on big old wheel and i'm like so apparently i'm a mechanic because this works great i did good and then i drove it and uh, and I'm dri- I'm so happy, dude. I'm driving my truck. I can do anything now. If I can replace brake shoes on a 1968 International Harvester Wonton, the this, the world's my oyster. So yeah. I was so happy, and I, and You're my gonna dog, I You're Gonna be rich. Gonna be a rich a mechanic. <laughs> and uh, you know, a, a place to park my truck and sleep in. And uh, and I was driving. I was feeling great. And then all of a sudden, I'm and I'm on Los Osos Valley Road, and I hear a quack, <laughs> boom, bam, and then. <laughs> And the the whole thing, the whole back end just locked up and uh, I'm doing 65 and the thing couldn't even do 65. And it was like, it just like locked up and ended up in the ditch on the right side because it was a big truck. It was like too big to roll over. And, uh, and so it ends up in this ditch. I call my buddy. He comes and gets me and I leave that truck there because that's what you do in Los Angeles, California. <laughs> yeah, I was like, ah, oh, darn. You stick a sock I on the window lost, or something. Lost my truck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did. I just left it there. I have no, I have no idea where that went. You never so, went back. <laughs> nope. Still to this day, I have no idea where that truck ended up. I just left it there. But I I learned at that moment that I was destined to be a mechanic. That's how my mind works. <laughs> yeah. Not that, it, that, that that fuck up should have kept me away. But I was <laughs> like, like, no. I mean,
0: I'm gonna fix this. I'm, I'm a gonna, mechanic.
1: Yeah, <laughs> clearly I'm a mechanic, so that's what I'm gonna do. So I, I, uh, I went to my friend worked at the Chevy dealership. His name was Rich Ward, and uh, he's still a friend. I love that man. And uh, he was, uh, he was to me then like you are to me now. Okay. And you actually look a little like Rich Ward, um, which is interesting. He he, I, I just realized that as I'm telling you this. It's probably how he popped in my head. So Rich, uh, he would sell me cars for what he basically had in them and then say, just give me the money when you can. And I would give him most of the money when I could. And then the rest, I don't know you know probably was is was somewhere with the truck <laughs> and then eventually yeah why
0: is that like me like yeah hey go do the gig i'll pay you when i feel like it <laughs> no 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 i'm saying i
1: i left i left. he would support he did things for me that were kind and uh oh, and you do oh. things for me that are kind well thanks so you. that's how you, yeah and he's like a big brother to me and um and so you're like that with me so uh similar dynamic but rich uh at that time, this was his first step as a big brother. He goes, uh, well, if you want to be a mechanic um, – and he had known a – friend. we were, we had a common friend that was insane. And so uh, we would often talk shit about that friend together. That's how we got to know each other. And uh, and so uh, Rich said, "You sounds like you want to be a mechanic. You should come to where I work at the Chevy dealership and uh, talk to the service manager. I'll put a word in for you. And I'm like, done. So I go in there. I'm a mechanic. I'm a mechanic. They're going to need me. So <laughs> – yeah, that really was how I thought, Chuck. They're
0: going to need me. They're going to need
1: me. Let me tell you how deep this goes. I'm in. It gets way worse. I walk All in. Right. I walk in. This uh, guy has been a service advisor at, at Chevrolet dealerships for 25 years or more. And I walk in and I sit down and he's nice guy, uh, silver hair, very dignified and uh, clearly a mechanic. Good guy. Seems like a good dad.
0: Clearly, just two mechanics hanging out together. Well, he's a
1: dad. No, this is a service advisor. He's okay. got a suit on. Right. He's a service advisor. Got it. But he seems like a good dad, like a, you know,
0: what's up? Get earth. him, dude. Yeah, got it. Yeah, like a yeah. good
1: guy. And uh, and I feel comfortable right away. And I said, Rich, you know, Rich is a, a friend of mine, and he's like, Yeah, Rich had mentioned, and um, I'm very excited to uh, have a look uh at uh what you know at your resume then i realized of course when i looked at it you haven't had any you haven't had any experience like a uh, formal experience as a mechanic I was like yeah I know but um I've done like uh I did some work on a, a Volkswagen I used to own uh yeah, I took, and a I lot took of off stuff. that
0: drum I mean well let me explain time. what I did on the Volkswagen <laughs> I
1: took a lot of stuff off my Volkswagen I just continuously removed things from my Volkswagen it started out as a full Volkswagen and when I uh I don't even remember where that ended up uh a junkyard I think but uh, I took off so many parts uh, that it ended up being undrivable. I just kept removing things, just trying to streamline it. Like I took the pop top off. I took like different <laughs> things off. And I, I just sabotaged it. But but I knew how to use a wrench and like do that. And I love doing it. So I told him, uh, yeah, I've done a lot of work on my Volkswagen, my first vehicle. And uh, and then I just did a brake job on a 68 International uh, Harvester, uh, rear brakes, one ton chassis. So You know, I know how that all goes. And, uh, and he's like, uh, yeah, Rich told me that, uh, about that one. He goes, did that not, you didn't, uh, you didn't finish that uh, the right way or something or like something happened to it. And I go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That blew up. And, but the point is I did it. I could do the breaks. Um, and I have, this is the other thing. My mother had bought me a full set of tools, meaning she wanted to support me. So she said, can I get you some tools? And I said, yes, uh, as many tools as you can get me. And she said, Is okay, push she,
0: in the right direction. Like, Hey, get the hell out of the house. Like, no, no, I didn't yeah. live with her.
1: Okay. I never, lived, yeah, I didn't live with right. her, right. but no, she Find was just trying to, to help with your life. She was trying to help. Nah, <laughs> she's it. being nice. Right. But, uh, she had a similar disconnection with reality. That I had at 19, which I was supposed to have. Unfortunately, she was much older, so yeah. she she uh she bought me a full set of tools. That's what they're called in JCPenney's catalog. She went to G- she ordered them from JCPenney. Full set of tools, and so it's got a hammer, dude. This is the problem. It's got a plier, That's it's the a verbiage I used. It had a hammer. It had pliers. It had screwdriver. It had a, both kinds of screwdrivers. Yeah, and even it a had- shorty. Yeah. And so I said to him, he goes, Do you have any tools? And I said, I have a full set. <laughs> <laughs> We're good, bro. And you, We're can, good.
0: and you carried it under your arm, probably, too.
1: <laughs> We're good, bro. I got a full set. I'm gonna be a mechanic. There's no doubt about it. It's all I wanna do. And so, I'm gonna be a damn good one. And right. here's the thing you're gonna you're gonna wish you would have me. If you don't take me now, well, you're take- gonna wish you would have hired me. Long story and that's Jordan, really what did he I thought. take
0: you or not? Did, were you hired or no?
1: First, he said this: "I've been in this business for almost 30 years, and I've never met anybody who has a full set of tools. That's amazing." <laughs> <laughs> he set. goes, "These guys, these Billy, a-
0: Billy, he's got a full set. <laughs> I got 60-year-old
1: guys that are still buying trucks off the Mac, or uh, buying tools off the Mac truck. Yeah." <laughs> And that that's all that's their their whole paycheck goes to that truck. So that's so, amazing that you've already uh, got that Someone
0: meal. just asked, has Colin ever been diagnosed with HD <laughs> No. Uh,
1: so uh, so then yeah. so he hires me and he sticks me in the lube bay. So I'm doing I'm immediately working on customers' cars. Just and I lubing. got a just I got lubing. a guy looking over me and um and I'm right next to the warranty office. Uh. My rack was right next to the warranty office and I barely knew how to rack cars. And uh and I found out later from the warranty advisor, the woman who ran it, her name is Paulette. She was like, You know how scared I was for the first year that you were here? They had you rack a car you're you doing. And I was just I couldn't wait. I she goes, Some days I wanted out of my life so bad that I just couldn't wait for a, a Chevy fifteen hundred Silverado to come flying through the wall and end it.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: That's life in a dealership. Uh... So so uh so he hires me, I go, my first oil change, uh, my friend Eric Grimes, E.K. Grimes, uh, that's how he signed all his flags, E.K. Grimes. Um, <clears throat> Eric was my mentor. He taught me how to do it, what to, you know, uh, is how you do that. here's the drain plug and the oil filter, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you lube the chassis, you got to look for these things. You want to look for upsells, you want to sell stuff, he said. Sell, you know, sell like a repair, or whatever like that. Now he was referring to older vehicles. So first car I get in, first oil change, it's a 3,000 mile car 3500 miles it's got on it or something and it's uh an s10 pickup and it's yeah. got a little 2.8 motor hard and to upsell uh,
0: somebody on that
1: maybe an air filter. 4.3 is the first year for the 4.3 so um so i yeah you can't really upsell stuff on yeah. that but i didn't know that so uh so i just i start my oil change i drain i get it up in the air i drain out the you know, put the oil filter and then i go to start it and, uh, and it's, you know, and I, and I'm, and I have it up on the rack and I'm letting it run. Like I saw Eric do, he lets it run and, uh, and you know, you know, warm, get the oil warm. And, uh, and I'm looking underneath it and, and I'm hearing this knock and I'm like, well, it's got a knock.
0: You never, like, you never put it back.
1: On. I go, bro, I go, bro, Eric, come here. I go, I think I'm, I think I just sold an engine. Listen to this. <laughs> and, uh, I go, listen, I think we got like a rod knock here. We could do an, a warranty engine on this. Do I get the work if I sell, if I, you know. If I uh, upsell it, and he goes, did you put oil in this car? And I was like, we should bring it down, bro. And he's like, oh, God, dude, he's climbing <laughs> to get the key and turn it off. He climbed up there and, like, jumped and, like, grabbed the thing and climbed up, shut it off. And, I, uh,
0: I had assumed that you put the oil in, but just didn't uh, put the uh, the valve back on. So, I put so everything
1: back together and did not refill it with oil. Got and it. so, uh, yeah, I just didn't know. I didn't think of it. Was that so. the day you
0: were fired or not? No.
1: So. <laughs> He, Eric puts the oil in and he goes, and he's leaning, I'm leaning in with him and I'm like, breathing really heavy. I'm like, dude, this is bad, right? And he goes, you probably took 15,000 miles off the engine, off the life of this engine for sure. Like <laughs> at least how long was it running? I go long enough to upsell an engine. <laughs> so he's like, all right, well, um, let's just let her go. And I'm like, really? And he's like, uh, yeah, I mean, what are we going to do? You know, we could put some, uh, I'm going to put a, uh, supplemental, thing in there and uh that should coat coat the engine and uh give it a little uh help and uh that should hopefully take care of any damage that might have happened and that's it so let's just do that and so i was like okay (laughs) oh this is how we're doing things so uh yeah that was my first job and then i the same week i proceeded to fill the giant 55 gallon oil drum with waste oil from the it's a, a 55 gallon drum and there's a 500 gallon drum or more maybe, but it was huge. It was on the backside of the shop and it was at this top, the top of the hill. Right. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. it had this pump that you would stick in your 55 gallon drum where you put all your oil change oil. So all the dirty oil, and it's filled with black oil and, uh, it, you know, it with, you know, deposits and it's terrible stuff and it's full. And so I bring it out and I take the little pump thing, I stick it in there and I stick the other end in the, and I turn the pump on and I walk away and you're supposed to stay there because what if you didn't check the level of the big, uh, tank, which I didn't. Yeah. And now you're pumping 55 gallons of oil all over the parking lot. What if you do that?
0: (laughs) Did that happen?
1: That's exactly what I did. (laughs) And this is right after the Exxon Valdez. So for the rest of my job there, three and a half years, I was known as, uh, as Hazelwood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Awesome man. Hey, uh, yeah. we're gonna pivot a bit. Um, I want to say uh, this is actually a great lead in uh, to my last question for you, uh, um, because over the last uh, two months or so, I've been doing these uh, podcasts, and I've been using you as a reference uh, for many of these uh, Zoom comedy shows because most comedians don't want to do them. I still is even up to like a week or two ago talking to comedians that said I will not do them, and I'm like, well, eventually. You're going to have to or yeah. or you're not going to be a comedian anymore. So I've used you as an example um, many times that, that you adapted quick and you uh, jumped on it and you and, and you're doing a bang up job doing it. So Mark Handler had asked, uh, you have a great setup of your mic and, and your bricks. Is this uh, Zoom online shows uh, for, uh, or for another reason?
1: So, it's for podcasts and um and zoom and zoom shows. Yeah. It's yeah. it's what I've been doing, Mark. Um, this is where I uh, do my live zoom shows. Sorry about the dinging happening. I don't know how to turn off my thing. So um so this is He's my got uh, all the
0: bells and whistles, but he can't turn his phone off.
1: But you well, I can't phone's <laughs> am getting a little on my laptop, which I I could figure it out. It would just take me a minute. I don't wanna do that. That's so right. uh anyway. <laughs> so uh this is actually a vinyl that, uh, I, guess, so I started doing these fundraisers in Savannah, Georgia and, um, uh, like uh, quite a few years ago when I moved here and, um, well, I got really lucky and got aligned with, uh, this guy who does graphic art for huge department stores and stuff. And, uh, he lives here on Tybee and the, the Tybee community is super supportive of one another. And, um, and this guy's no exception. And so we do, uh, we do fundraisers for nonprofits here in, in, Tybee Island, really just local nonprofits, Tybee and Wilmington, Savannah in general, but try to keep it concentrated to the islands. And, um, <clears throat> we help each other and this guy does all my graphics and all my marketing and, you know, stuff like that, uh, big banners. He gives me huge vinyl banners. He has these huge vinyl printers in his basement and, uh, he, he can produce stuff that, you know, uh, that a corporation would have a hard time getting in a week. He can give me that in an hour and a half. And, um, and, and all I got to do is send him an image. And um, whether it's a banner, a sign, a backdrop, for example. And uh, well, it looks so,
0: nice. I mean, because that's a solid backdrop with, with a with a light, right?
1: It's solid because but it's vinyl. Yeah. Uh, but it's I yeah, guess when people light. are
0: asking, like, it's not a green screen. It's no, it's real. Yeah. yeah.
1: Unfortunately, yeah. some companies, when you do corporates, they want to give you a virtual backdrop and you're like, OK, yeah. Yeah. you know, I guess you want to do in theory, that.
0: You but... can throw a green screen in front of your backdrop and then do that.
1: No, no, that's fine. But I'm just saying it's not going to look as professional. This looks way more professional. Right, I could I put like uh, I could put your logo that you want. That would look better, you yeah. know, than you well, making you can, some mis- like cartoony thing. Yeah, well, you can to see like, the
0: logo of the check drop right in the corner. Yeah, though. it looks so, great. I mean, yeah, so it looks great. It's like that. the way it
1: should be. Yeah, and, yeah. and but uh, sometimes they want to do this other thing. But anyway, um, but what I was able to do is create this cubby of black brick, and then I created I got color lights um i could actually give you a better look uh yeah. maybe uh, give everybody a to... tour
0: of, of your little studio but there, i'd right?
1: have to kill you uh so so i use a H a zoom h6 uh and this is this is like one of the corners i don't want to knock anything off but um this is this is the like the corner i actually have like uh these little easy uh, these little black, uh, brown chairs for the podcasting nice. and it kind of creates a nice feel um and then i have white brick uh I have white brick on the other side of the studio. The reason I can't move you around very much is because I have, uh, this box that i built around my laptop to reduce the, 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 uh, what do you call it? Uh, the, when the light, uh, glare. Yeah. Yeah. So the glare, that's a real issue with proper lighting. So I've created a, I built a box and the box has slots for my, for my, uh, sound, for my plugs for sound and power and stuff. So I can't really move you around a lot, but there's, um, there's a whole nother one of these on the other side of this, of this shed studio and it's white brick. And so I use different colors and then actual, that's more like a beachy thing. So I'm going to start actually putting in like, you know, cool. I'll probably put a surfboard up and a couple of different things. That's for the barefoot comedy podcast. Nice. Yeah. Great, and, man. yeah. And then the other option is to do green screen and different things. And, you know, um, and, I, my feeling is that like, this is where we're headed at the end of the day. This will be, uh, a field that exists you oh, yeah. know even if it's not the main one anymore. i
0: agree with you i i feel like um you know on my on my website there's a form now that you fill out and i added like in person live or virtual and i don't think i'll ever have to change that i know i think i'll leave that option until i retire because i think people <laughs> will hey we would like this I mean, some people do like it and it's quick and easy. And some people will like to do it for like a 15 minute, like lunch break type thing. And yeah, it, it and can work. So I
1: can give you a little insight on that, a little secret. Um, if you're a performer and you're watching this, um, don't be afraid to do shorter shows for less money because that's much more successful. Typically in my opinion experience, um, it's better. It's better to do a couple of a package of like three, 10 minute shows. There's an attention thing that happens. It's different. You're in your house, kind of. You're like sitting in your, you know, living room or whatever you're doing, and uh, and I feel like it it affects. You can't do a thirty or forty minute show stand up in a Zoom atmosphere. It's just weird. So I think little vignettes are better. You have like a magician. You have like Simon. You'll have like uh, you know, I've done shows with Ben, and I've done uh, um. And and Kira or whatever, we'll have a couple of comedians, you know, for 10, 10 or fifteen minutes each. But I've done shows that were thirty five or forty minutes, and it is not fun for anybody, me or them. And and the way that I've now mitigate that is I'll, I'll I'll offer them if they really want me to do a longer piece, I'll offer them a twenty minute set that's max, and then we'll do. Uh, I'll do a 15, 20 minute Q&A after where I hang out with you and tell stories. Yep. We'll just That's out.
0: exactly a uh, similar um, idea, but with the colleges, um, every show was 50 minutes to an hour before. <laughs> yep, And um, I, I give them a 30% reduced rate and you get a 30 minute show. That's your cap. If yep. And if you do want longer there, you have a 15 minute Q&A if you want.
1: It yeah, or hard sell the Q&A and just say, "Hey, you know, wh- this guy comes with a 15-minute Q&A." That's yep. it. And that's kind of what max. we that's kinda because how this, it's been
0: working, so. Yeah, because
1: these guys all want to hang out and talk to you anyway. They really do.
0: Right. I mean, it then it just becomes like this, like a little mini podcast. So, yep, I mean, that's right. And if people are into it, I mean like you, you can talk and you could talk to a brick wall,
1: right? <laughs> I have so. a hard time opening up.
0: <laughs> well, this is the point of the show, uh, the check drop where we kind of start wrapping it up. Um, so yeah, man, I first off, again, thanks for coming on. I love you to death and love you. I mean, I could talk to you for 12 hours easily I know you and I do I think that we've only talked about three things you're, you're <laughs> in this whole thing, but but maybe we'll have you back in on uh, in another 14 episodes
1: or so. let's do another one.
0: Yeah, so every 14. Yeah, so I this is a, I leave it up to you how you want to close out the show. If you want to tell like uh, your favorite comedy story or your worst comedy story, or just want to plug something.
1: Um, Okay. Yeah. uh, I think um, let me say that uh, when this thing all all shifted, one of the things that I ran into one of the problems, because I think we're talking now about that. I like talking about this stuff. Uh, One of the problems that I ran into was what do I do next? I've been traveling for 20 years. I just had this conversation with my wife. And uh, it affects you, you know, I'm gone from my life three weeks. I mean, uh, you know, a week, every three weeks, I'll, you know, I would go for right. the long Because you do a lot
0: of cruise ships. Uh, yeah, if people well, not a that. lot. That's so... the thing, I
1: don't do a lot because I have little kids, but I do like one a month or one every two months. Well, you
0: do cruise ships since too that yeah. You out a,
1: right. A little, a and so long. I'm gone from the family for that period of time. And I'm re, there's something happening in your mind and your heart in your, <laughs> and your, uh, and uh, where you're resetting in a way and and you get in that rhythm after I mean, over 20 years uh, or 10 years even or whatever. And so comics do this where, where we travel and, you know, when we come back to our lives and we're regenerized and, or, or regenerated that's not a word. We're regenerated. We're re- revitalized. And, and, uh, um, we're reset yeah. in our relationship, in our parenting, in all the things we bring so much energy to the table coming back and new ideas. And then we, we have to, the, the problem then is to learn how to, fall into that energy that they're in and not force our energy on them. And so that was always my rhythm, you know? And, uh, and then now that's gone, I'm here all the time. And, and then all of a sudden, uh, at the same time, of course, then my job, I'm not, I'm not working. I'm not generating the same kind of money. And, um, and I can't just go out and make a bunch of money and come back and be like, all right, we're good. And let's, you know, go get a couple things and have some fun. And, um, I can't do that anymore. So I'm just, uh, so creatively, Uh, it affected me where I also can't produce new material the same way. So that's a trick. And, and it just, it, it permeated my whole life. And, uh, and I went through a little depression, like very recently where I, I, as much as I want to, you know, I I want people to feel like, Hey, Colin's fine or whatever. I wasn't, I was trying to do the best I could, but I had to break from, I had to go find joy. That's why I've been surfing so much and not doing as much work work. That's,
0: I think everybody, because we are all in the same boat, most people. I mean, there are some people that have not been right. affected by this really at all. That's but, why you know, That's why I but, mentioned it. But everybody it. in the entertainment business absolutely is kind of the so, same thing. I've gone through that roller coaster of highs and lows. I mean, this podcast started as a low. I was like, I've got to do something. I didn't realize I needed that creative outlu- uh, outlet. Isn't that interesting? I mean, I am behind the scenes and I was like, let's do something. It different. shocked
1: me that you did that. Yeah, and, and that you're doing it and you do it well and you're like really well, embracing it.
0: It's a B minus at best. <laughs> Whatever. But
1: you but you also know how to produce these things and how to how to get them out there. You know the social media end of it. Yeah. And so you're able to embrace that or like that's probably the kind of, isn't that kind of the, what brings you joy is to like see the numbers and make it work
0: right i mean and i don't care if there's four people watching or 400 i mean but to
1: manipulate those numbers and like and work with it that's kind of your game
0: yeah, I mean, again, but yeah. I just, I mean, I started this, I mean, and I've interviewed some people that I don't even know. I mean, and that's been interesting, too. Like, I mean, I had Josh Blue uh, on a couple of weeks ago. I oh, met, yeah? I met him like three times. and but I've heard I mean, nothing
1: but good things about Josh. Yeah,
0: but I, but initially, he didn't want to be there. I, could, I mean, if you go back and watch it, I, for the first five to seven minutes, I was like, oh, boy.
1: <laughs> like, He's like, who is this? It user? was
0: really like, oh, wait, I need to interview this fellow now. So yeah. not just to, you know, shoot the shit. You know what? I have you on or like you know chat daniels or call or, or uh or kevin boseman or yeah. something where i yeah. can just talk forever you know i'd love to have mark ryan on here i'd love to to talk about like that, that oh, that's oh
1: yeah
0: that, <laughs> that's cool if therapy. mark ryan is listening um i'd love to chat with you yes therapy yeah. yeah we can do it right here we'll do that oh do my god that'd be awesome that yeah
1: be like that so. like that uh that wtf episode with uh louis ck or something or was it rogan i don't know oh no no it was uh yeah it was uh man what was it oh it was an episode of uh louis when he had um oh uh uh, dane Dane on
0: dane cook yeah 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 Yeah,
1: and they they laid it out on camera that was so funny
0: yeah yeah so so sorry to interrupt oh no that's okay
1: i was just saying I, i the reason i brought that up is we don't talk about that part as much that our lives have all seismically shifted and and there's a backlash i mean i've heard parents talk about it with their kids and like they're getting you know these depression and they, they need exposure to other people socialization but I think it's a lot of like blind talk they're not really uh being in uh, introspective what I've noticed is that I feel uh I feel like my rhythm is off in life so yeah. then I go to what my go-to is which is to go find joy somewhere and that can be healthy or unhealthy but either way it's obsessive for me so it's unhealthy so i have to then back off and find the work mode again and and get back to the harder things and do them and force myself to do them. Right. But here's the thing. There's no track. I don't just sit up, step on the, you know what I mean? I don't just go like buy a plane ticket and go do my sh- shit like normal and feel good. I got, and then there's also not 300 people telling me I'm awesome anymore. And my wife won't do it. You know, that's why I used to leave. So
0: yes, does <laughs> tell you it doesn't really carry the same weight. as uh, Dude, I had about, to
1: tell my wife yesterday. I go, you don't understand. I don't have everybody telling me I'm awesome anymore. This record, like if, your job just got more important. Like, right. you have to now find a way to because she's not an affectionate lovey dovey. Yeah. So, she, I go, You have to find a way to somehow like, like, notice if that's really, really spinning me. I'll tell you, but I need you to be that person. Like, come to me and, and at least, like, yeah, I
0: mean, you. Ultimately, everybody still has their happy place, right? So, I mean, being right. on the stage, it's got to be your happy place. I mean, my happy place has always been my go- uh, going to the golf course. I just, I mean, I got a great- yeah, that's your.
1: That's your great, joy.
0: Great group of friends, and like, and I play. I've been playing a ton of golf. Yes. In the last did you six find months. yourself
1: diving in hard?
0: Uh, yeah, man. My I'm single digit handicap now. Like, I'm like getting right. Good as your as
1: your handicap uh, went down, so did your income, kind of thing. Was like, well, I
0: mean, yeah. That was it, what
1: I noticed is that like I started as my income started declining and things pressures got worse and I was like trying to figure out what to do. I started surfing a ton, trying to find joy, and that's yeah. not getting me more money.
0: Yeah. Well, at least surfing's free. So.
1: Yeah, that's true. I don't have to so, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, so, um, I mean, but my wife has, is the best ever, and she has not once said, like, you're going golfing again?
1: Because I think she oh, just wow.
0: knows. Like, she's like, all right, let him go hit something. <laughs> like, Yeah. And, just, and it's not a wall.
1: But you, you know? also are a responsible grown-up, and you went, I got to do something now, and you made this podcast, and you're, like, finding new ways to book people and stuff right. like that. I literally well, have taken, like, two, a, a full month, to myself and just not i can't even i get in my studio and i'm like i got a gig here a gig there and it kind of dropped off as soon as i finished the studio i had this big lull where i didn't have gigs they just stopped for some reason i don't know what happened and uh, it was like a i don't know know—it was just like an ebb and flow but i felt this hole and then i'm like i gotta be proactive now but i got nothing in the tank
0: well i'm a comedy agent purist right so i i didn't jump on as quickly as you did with the virtual yeah I, and everybody, yeah i gave you shit the, for that too and everybody in the yeah, college you're... market, I I was like, I told all the agents we'd be on Zoom calls talking about like, what do we do? What how do you know how do we help each other and such? And, and I said, you know, what? I'm going to take a break. I'm on a break, and for three months, I I said I'm not doing it. And then so I, you
1: missed a step because a lot of guys hit it running.
0: Yeah, I did mm-hmm. miss a step, but it, I mean, it, it is what it is, and I I yeah. real I acknowledged I and I moved on, and I and now I'm I'm jumping right in. And that's what I'm in. having to
1: do right now. I'm in a transition back to work. Yeah, I I, said I did surf today twice, but I but I'm uh, but I'm uh I'm just transitioning back to like okay I got to be in the office I got to be in my office my studio where my desk is and all my stuff and I got to be in here a certain amount of hours a day and I just got to yeah. crank on stuff that whether or not it's a thing it's got to be a creative endeavor it's got to support my career period period period.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Really, you still got to make money. That's Here's the works. thing
1: that I said to you and I and I we can end on this if you want I know yeah. you want to wrap it. Um, Successful people, uh, don't wait. How's it go? Successful people. <laughs> wait, what do they do? Where's I the don't plaque? know. I, I don't you know put any. Put out uh, a
0: plaque here. You successful people your phone.
1: don't wait to go back to normal when things change. They capitalize on the new opportunity, and that's what I feel like we're in a position to do here with this, with this. And I'll give you an example. I called my friend who, remember I said, I used to mobile, be a mobile disc jockey Yeah. in my, my, one of my first jobs after all that mayhem. Uh, when I was a mechanic, actually I got a job on the weekends working from uh, a DJ company. And then my friend that I DJed with bought it. And then we had this long lifelong relationship or friends. And, um, it's, it's a great company. And, um uh, real customer in a lot of events, all this stuff. So I, I wouldn't, I was scared to call him after this whole shutdown quarantine thing. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, he does events. He's a mobile disc jockey. You know, he does weddings and parties and all these things. His life has got to be like exploding right now. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And I, and I, and I didn't call him for like two months um, initially. And then when I realized I hadn't called him, I was scared to call. And I don't know if you have people in your life that that happened with you were like, what happened? <gasps> what's going on with that guy? Wait a minute. So that's what happened. I called him and I was so scared. Like, I hope he's okay. And I said, Sean, what's going on? Uh, how are you doing with the change and everything? And he goes, oh, great. I'm on vacation in Tahoe right now. Everything's going great. And I'm like, so you, are you not working? He goes, no, it's crazy right now. And I'm like, What? how is it crazy right now? And he goes, oh, like, right right. as soon as we got into the quarantine thing, I just kind of retooled what we we're doing. And I started offering uh, this this new uh, this new option with weddings and parties and events that i believe is going to be a huge part of my my business especially after we go back to normal if we ever do but it's it's they they're only allowing certain amounts of people at weddings so he allows virtual streaming option through uh, virtually streaming the wedding f- with multiple cameras and uh, knowing where to be and when and uh, yeah. and and so you got people all over the country at your wedding yeah, that you're couldn't on the know. fly out
0: yeah it couldn't perfect.
1: go. And yeah. he created a package and marketing for it and training for new employees. He put a a booklet together, trained new employees to do it and run it. He's got crews doing it and and it's he goes, "Dude, I'm making more money doing that than I ever was doing the other DJ stuff." And he goes, "And and, and it's and and not only that, it's going to support our DJ service when we're done with this." Yeah. Because when you have a wedding of 200 people, but grandma broke her hip, she could, you know, her her grandson or her son can stream it for her in iowa where she lives at her farm and she can watch it be a part of the wedding she can interact
0: right yeah it's crazy i mean even like jesse we weren't, we
1: weren't doing that before why were we not doing that before like right. that
0: wasn't a thing we weren't thinking outside the box no, mean, yeah
1: nobody right That's has gotta it.
0: think outside the box it's not- a
1: forced it's it's like a forced uh epiphany and uh and and if you look at it that way that's exactly what i'm talking about it's successful people don't wait to go back to normal they they look for the opportunity they look for the the epiphany
0: adapt to the change
1: yeah and yeah. i say they because i don't consider myself one of them most right. of the time but i see the pattern and i but if you see keep where... your eyes
0: open and see from somebody else and go ah, all right and then you're open to suggestions i think that's success kind of you're yeah saying. success has got to be yeah. proactive
1: it's not you know yeah it's going with the flow wait and see what happens jesse my...
0: campbell and i were talking about that just th- this past week about uh, like how like i think just once we get through all this i mean on the back side of this i feel like the it's the floodgates are going to be open I mean, as far as live entertainment. I mean, we're going to have so many options to, to work, I think so. Cause there's not going to be a lot of comedians still standing, I think. So maybe
1: not. Yeah. Maybe uh, not. A lot of them gone back to work. Maybe they'll have new material. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> you know, the worst part of being a tire replacement guy. <laughs>
0: You can always go back to being a mechanic.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could. <laughs> well, well, I built a lot of sh- stuff in my yard. I built like, ch- I have livestock and chickens and all kinds of cool stuff. And well, that's keeping me. You can do busy. anything you want. Yeah. The options are try- endless. Just trying to stay behind my mailbox.
0: <laughs> well, brother. Dude, thank you so much for coming on tonight, and yeah. um, I, I'm sure everybody listening uh, has gotten some kind of uh, entertainment value out of this. Today. Good. So, yeah. So, so um, all right. So, thanks everybody for listening and/or watching. If you need a comedian for any event in the near future or uh, in the far future, uh, feel free to go to summitcomedy.com. Colin is available.
1: I am. For, for I'm. I'm available. The odds You'll... that you're going to pick an hour that I'm doing a Zoom are pretty slim. So, drop it. Drop the check, and let's do it. Yeah, get it. Check drop.
0: Got it. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. I've got gas,
1: so I have to go. Bye. (laughs) I'm mic'd up.